Welcome to your Royal Rooters podcast, your hub for your nine-time World Series champion, Boston Red Sox, your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, your six-time – let's do that again. Your nine-time World Series champion, Boston Red Sox, your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, your 17-time NBA champion, Boston Celtics, your six-time Stanley Cup champion, Boston Bruins, and your 11-time national champions in football, the Notre Dame, what you know, you're – all right, we got some news. Some good, some bad, some ugly. All right. <clears throat> so, probably start off the first news of the week. Patriots got some new uniforms. Yeah. So, we're just going to do this in order of, like, from Monday through today. Or through Sunday through today. So, looks like the Patriots got new Jersey uniforms. And they kind of look like the rush the alternate rush uniforms that we had. Like they had they're like the alternates that the Patriots have. Except they did add an other alternate or other uniform for the away jersey as the away whites. So yeah, so they just they just looked like the rush uniforms that we have. Which really makes no sense. They wanted to do this after Tom Brady left in. Yeah. So we now have new jerseys for uh, the 2020 season, if there is a season. Also, happy birthday to Fenway Park. Turned 108 this year, 108 on Monday. So first ever game was between the New York Highlanders and the Boston Red Sox, which would the Highlanders would actually become the Yankees later on, and it bit and it was a seven to six uh, Red Sox victory in route. To a 1912 World Series championship. So bad news. And this came out of the blue too. I had no idea this was happening. But Rob Gronkowski has was traded. Or decided to come out of retirement. And was traded. Because he was still kind of under contract still. Um, still con- under contract to get paid. And was traded to the Buccaneers. And, along with the 7th round pick. Which became, let's see, I got the tracker here. We'll also get into the draft too. Buccaneers, Buccaneers. Here we are. Became, no, that's not it. That's not it. Wrong. Here we are. Which became Chappelle, Chappelle Russell, linebacker from uh, Temple. Yeah. For a fourth round pick, which probably we'll get into later on. Yeah. So yeah, I had no idea you can trade. I did that. They did. The first when I saw the Bleacher Report, I thought, "Isn't Gronk retired?" It's kind of weird to trade someone when they're retired, but it looked like he came out of retirement and he was still kind of under contract to be paid. So they traded him away. So yeah, but yeah, now he's teaming up with Tom Brady down in a, um. Down in Tampa Bay, and this is pro- and this was my response to all that via "Take It Away, Michael Scott." I'm gonna kill myself! Wow! I'm going to kill myself, and it's your personal. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was pretty much everybody in New England right now. It's just wow. 
seriously, they did say that they, I mean, they are teaming up together. They are reuniting and teaming up together, but not in Patriots jerseys anymore. Now that Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers team looks legit, it looks like it looks like a team that looks like it might be hard to really stop. Wow, I just God, <laughs> this is turning out to be a pretty crappy week for the Pats. But here are some good news. So much good news. Somewhat kind of bad news, but still mostly good news. So, um, the good news is. We have reached a verdict in the Red Sox investigation. And it looks like they found little or if anything, anything close to what the Houston Astros are doing. So the 2018 Red Sox have been found not guilty. Awesome. Case dismissed. All right. Hey. But not so fast. Not so fast. We are. We are. Found not guilty, but we do still have some penalties, and I'll tell you why we got penalties. So, firstly, let's read off the penalties. So, Alex Cora is still suspended for 2020, but only because he was part of the Astros uh, cheating scandal, too. So, he was part of that. So, got served that. They did um, suspend the replay room guy, JT Watkins, for uh, 2020 and 2021, too. And We'll get into why that's kind of bullcrap too. And the only thing we do have to uh, have to give up and strip away is a uh, 2020 second round draft pick, which not really bad, but still, I mean, that draft pick could eventually turn into something else. But you know what? It just shows that, I mean, yes, I meant uh, we didn't get out of it. We still got slapped in the wrist penalties, but it could have been a lot worse. It honestly could have been a lot worse. As what everybody in the media, baseball media, was hyping it up to be, like, even worse than what the Astros got. And it didn't really turn out that way. The only thing we got was, the only thing we had to lose was a draft pick. And even that, even the core suspension, that's even just for the Astros thing. That's not for what the Red Sox were doing. Yeah, none of the Red Sox players or personnel were, uh, or person front office personnel, uh, a part of that. It was all a repay room guy that all got the blame for it, which is kind of bullcrap too, because what the dude was doing was decoding signs before and after games, which is, it's kind of like scouting report. It's like, it's, it's legal to do. It's legal to do. It's, it's like getting a scouting report. It's like showing a scouting report of who they're going to be facing and like what they throw, what typically their pitches are going to be. I mean, what the Astros were doing, they were stealing signs electronically in real time, so during the game, not so, yeah, so, like, that's different. That really is different. Now, that's, yeah, now that is illegal, yeah. But stealing signs, I mean, stealing signs isn't really bad. I mean, stealing sign has been around since the beginning of the game of baseball. And, heck, even a, a coach, a former, like, a rival coach, which I'm friends of for uh, here in high school baseball, which I'm a uh, kind of do work at at a, uh, who is one of the teachers at the school I work at, um, told me that uh, they stole signs when he was playing baseball too because he's the head coach for uh, the our, for uh, North Community's uh, rival school, Normal West. Yeah. So anyway, so like he told me when he was playing, he had a they had a way of stealing signs too, but 
it was via like it was a uh, via like the old fashioned way, which you are allowed to do. And he even told me like how they would do it. Like you you know how sometimes that uh you see uh batters, especially when they're on second base, like take a lead off. That actually, that's actually, they're actually uh, communicating sign stealing right there. Well, firstly, when they do it firstly, when they first get on base and like get like a step off, that's when they're like signaling, hey, so-and-so pitch is coming. <laughs> and he told me, yeah, if I step this way to the left or to the right, that means a certain pitch is coming. Yeah. And then he will get back on base and uh, um, take his actual lead off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and even when uh, the catcher, like, called time and, like, for a conference, like, he would – the catcher would look over and see, like, we know you're stealing our signs. <laughs> hey, part of the game. But still, I mean, at this rate, go back to it. Yeah, are we totally – did we totally get off the hook? Not really, not really, but it could have been a lot worse. It honestly could have been a lot worse. Yeah, what everybody was hyping it up to be. It could have been a lot worse of a punishment. Yeah, the only thing we have to give give up is um, just the draft pick, and that that could or could not possibly turn into anything. Yeah. So, so core core or Alex core back in core core uh, Alex core back in twenty twenty one. Let's see. Yeah. Although for 2020, if there is a season, Ron Renneke will be the full-time manager because they did take the interim tag off them. So, yeah. Patriots uh, signed a one-year deal with former uh, former Jaguars wide receiver Marquise Lee. Okay, that would make sense why we didn't pick anybody, any wide receivers save. Maybe. I don't know. Depends. And now here's the main part of the week. So round one, we traded um, the 23rd pick to the Chargers so we would get so-and-so pick. So we move into the third and second rounds. So we will name off the drafts. So... At the 31st, with the 31st pick in the second round, or in the 31st pick, the Patriots select safety Kyle Duggar out of Lanier Ryan University, which is a D2 school. At first, when I first saw this, I thought, why are we getting a safety? And then I kind of found out, okay, Darren Harmon's no longer there, so okay, it would make sense if we went out and got safety. Um, let's see. I'll go on over Patriots uh, selections first, and then we'll talk about da- David Andrews, the news with him, and then we'll talk about the pay- or Notre Dame players that got a pick today and some other news too. All right. Then with the 60th pick, the Patriots selected Josh Uchi out of Michigan, off- outside linebacker, which we definitely did need it there too. He's from Nigeria, which I had no idea. Yeah, I hadn't. Yeah. Which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Hasn't been the first time we had some foreign players play from the New England Patriots. Yeah. I found out yesterday that Nikhil Harry is actually from Canada. I had no idea about that till this weekend. 
right. At number 87th, with or with the 87th pick, we got outside linebacker Afrini Jennings out of Alabama. I do the linebacker chart, so a linebacker. <gasps> We're up to our Nixon linebackers. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Cheers, the first episode, though they mentioned it. All right. With the 91st pick, we did get out, went out and get a tight end, but it wasn't anybody big. It was mainly just a guy out of UCLA, Devin Ashy Ashy. Yeah. With the 100th pick, we got another tight end, Dalton King, or Dalton King out of uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yeah. I had a buddy who uh, I went to high school with who's dead, or a uh, Uncle was like one of the assistant coaches. I'm not sure if he still is now, but all right. Today with the 150th pick, we went out and got a kicker, but it wasn't uh, Rodrigo Blankenship. No, it was a dude out of Marshall, Justin Roarwasher. A Roarwasher, yeah, Roarwasher. And then we got another guard, or another, uh, or then we got another guy out of Michigan. This time, an offensive lineman in a in guard, or as a guard, Michael Onwani, Onwanu, Owanu, Onwanu, Onwanu. Yeah, we'll figure out his name. But yeah, he's another Nigerian too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. two Nigerians. Interesting. So out of Michigan. Yeah, both Michigan dudes. Yeah, that Mich- that Ann Arbor, that Ann Arbor, that Ann Arbor, uh, South Foxborough. Yeah, started with Tom Brady, Ann Arbor, yeah. Michigan. Which we'll get into the Notre Dame part. Um, then we got another offensive lineman and offensive tackle, Justin Huron from uh, Wake Forest with the one hundred ninety fifth pick. Then we got another linebacker. A linebacker <laughs> at in uh in inside linebacker Kosh Alanu Alanu from Wyoming with the two hundred and fourth pick, and then we finish off the day with center an offensive lineman center Dustin Woodard from from uh or from Memphis with the two hundred thirtieth pick. I'm kind of a little mad because we didn't go out and get a quarterback. I was kind of hoping to get someone like Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma or uh, Jake Fromm from uh, Georgia. I'm kind of everybody's kind of mad that they didn't get uh, the Blankenship dude from uh, Georgia as well. Yeah. So what I would grade this draft? Um, probably a B minus, probably C plus. It didn't really. It. I mean, it didn't really like bounce out to me, but. Tom, or uh, Bill Belichick has been known to pick or sign, pick whether this dude's a free agent or not, sign or draft people that are basically nobodies and turn them into somebodies. Yeah. And turn them into actual all-star players. So when they go out and finally do resign with you, the Patriots, or eventually somebody else, they do get that big contract. Yeah. <laughs> So right now, as of now, they are getting a C or a B plus. I'm at a C or a B minus or C plus for the draft, but right now we don't know yet. 
they could turn out to be pretty special. Well, we do know that Chase Winovich is teaming up with former teammates. Yeah, one dude on offense or one dude on uh, defense. Yeah, on uh, with the Josh Uchi. Yeah, yeah, they did post something uh, on Instagram last night or yet or today, saying like he really is excited for uh, Josh Uchi to come play with them again. Yeah, did anybody see uh, with the first when the Patriots first picked in the draft that uh? Bill Belichick's dog was uh, sitting at the, it uh, at uh, Bill's Belichick's laptops. It's kind of funny. <laughs> woof, 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 woof. No patches, patches. We don't, we don't need to pick that guy. That guy stinks. Woof, 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 woof. What? No, no. We. <laughs> He's coming over to the computer. Oh, patches. What are you? Oh, oh. Hmm. Nice pick. There's a treat. Good boy or good girl. Good girl. Yeah, it could actually be a girl. Yeah, it could actually be a girl dog, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not into Bill Belichick's personal life to know what the sex of it or the gender of his animals are. <laughs> All right. Whatever he has, yeah. All right, good news for David Andrews. Remember he got a heart attack in um, late offseason last year? So he has fully recovered and has been cleared to play. Awesome news. So he will be back as our center. Awesome. Same same age as me. Ooh, that's not good. Same age as me. Uh, which means I could. Yeah. Ugh, that's scary. That's <laughs> scary. Um. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's get into a uh, Notre Dame football news. So it looks like um a few Notre Dame players have been picked. So Cole Commit has been picked by the Bears and will be playing there. That our tight end. Wide receiver Chase Claypool has been picked by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looks like Julian Aquara has been picked by the Detroit Lions and will be playing alongside with his older brother, Romeo Aquara. Yeah. Both, I did not know, were, were uh, Nigerians too, and we actually were. Raised in Brit or Great Britain, pretty neat, pretty neat story. Yeah, that's what I will say about the whole ESPN thing. They do kind of delve into some of these stories. It's kind of neat, kind of neat stories. Yeah, that's why I will. Yeah, uh, give ESPN the credit, like watching that. Yeah. All right, so Troy Pride Jr. will be heading to the Carolina Panthers, our cornerback. Uh, Khalid. Co- Khalid Kareem will be heading to the Bengals. So he'll be uh playing defense with or um or be playing alongside with uh Joe Burrow. Except he'll be on defense, Burrow will be on offense. <laughs> yeah. So not technically playing alongside yet. <laughs> on two different ends of the field, yes. <laughs> and then hold on, let's see. Yes, a lot. Ali Gilman has been, will be playing with the San Diego uh, Chargers. We are still kind of waiting on the whole uh, unsigned drafted uh, or, or undrafted uh, or uh, unsigned draftees or the guys that didn't get drafted yet being signed like that. We'll let you guys know if anything else changes, like anybody else gets signed, whether it's Patriots or Notre Dame football or if the Patriots sign anything. All right. Right, so, other news, then we'll go on a quick break. 
It looks like the NBA has decided to uh, reopen some of their facilities. So they are taking one step closer to getting the league back up. And also there was news, or kind of I did see somewhere that uh, the Bruins are kind of pushing if uh, they do do something like uh, regional sites and stuff like that for the playoffs, they do want to like grab a regional spot or something like that, or like a place where like they'll host some of these uh, playoff games. So yeah, all right. I guess that's it. Any other news? Yeah, I will say that one more thing about the Red Sox. I'm kind of glad it pretty much is over. That the decision has been made, and you know what? Yes, did we not get off totally scot free? Not really. We didn't get totally exoneration. I kind of knew we would not get totally exonerated. Too, even Rob Manfred said like if that whole thing with the whole Apple Watch thing back in 2017, and we should have mentioned that too. The reason why they got penalties and stuff like that, and did have the at least just get slapped on the wrist penalties, is because. They brought up the whole uh, 2017 uh, Apple Watch incident with the uh, under John Farrell and stuff like that. And if he just told, and he told us if uh, that didn't happen, he would have just gave everybody or just gave him the team just a warning. But and just because of that incident, that that kind of did make us two time offenders in a kind of like or at least involved in a second time where we did get accused of cheating or something like that. And if that didn't happen, then we could have just basically just been let off of the warning, but still that's where um, they, uh, that's where they, uh, stuttering. That's where they handed down some of the slap on the wrist penalties. And you know what? It could have been a lot worse as what is what they were making it to be like, they were making it sound like it would be just like the Astros penalties or even worse, even worse. But yeah, I'm just kind of glad it's, it's, this is pretty much over. Now I can possibly sleep at night without having to worry about whether 2018 is legitimate or not. To me, 2018 is still legitimate. We won that thing fair and square. No questions asked. We won it. And you know what, dear haters, suck on it. Just like Alex Cora, suck on it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That team was legit, and there is no sugarcoating or artificial, artificially anything about it. They won it fair and square. They were just a good team. All right, that's all I got to say. All right, so we'll take a quick break, but then we come back, we're going to talk about something that's really special to me, which was – the 104th anniversary of the start of it was yesterday, but we'll get into why uh, we're talking about it too and like why it's special to me. So, so don't go anywhere. See ya. All right, we are back. So first off, we're getting to talk about why I, uh, uh, why to this week weekend is special is we're going to do some trivia. So, on April the 26th, 1912, what non-slugger hit the first home run in the history of Fenway Park? Hugh Bradley, a first baseman who hit two home runs in his career. 
Fenway, the Fenway Park milestone was his final one or final one. So he probably didn't hit any more home runs after that. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> if he was a pitcher. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Let the DH rule, except they didn't have the DH back in 1912. They didn't come around until 1973. Yep. Yeah. DH in all leagues. Here, here. Let's go. 2021. All right. What defenseman did or the and this is for the Bruins. What def, what defenseman did the Bruins select with the third overall pick in the 1987 NHL draft NHL entry draft? Glenn Wesley. Glenn Wesley. That's a name that never see that mounted anything. Glenn Wesley. Wesley. <laughs> Hockey reference. Here we are. Hockey reference. This isn't it. Wrong site. All right. Get out of here. Get out. Go. All right. Here we are. Hockey reference. Here we are. All right. Okay. He did play some with the Bruins. Come on. Scroll down. All right. He played with the Bruins from 1987 to. 1994, and then from 1994 to 1995, he was with the from 1994 to 1997, he's with the Hartford Whales, which are now the Carolina Hurricanes. And he was with the Carolina Hurricanes for one stench, um, was his first stench from 1997 to 2003. And then from 2003, and then only, I think only the 2002 or half of the 2002-2003 season, he got traded to the Toronto Raptors or Toronto Maple Leafs and was there for a while. And then went back to the Toronto or then fin- went back to the Carolina Hurricanes and finished off his career from 2003 to 2008. So yeah, so basically, yeah. So basically a 20-year career. Yeah. Oh, he did win a Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes in 2006. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty neat. So, yeah. 51. Huh. Blake, Blake Leslie? Blake Leslie. I'm talking weird. All right. Move on. <clears throat> For the Patriots. And this is um, fitting because this is the NFL Draft Week. Who who was the Patriots' top pick in the 2018 NFL Draft? Offensive lineman Isaiah Wynn. He was the he was pick number 23 overall. Yeah, funny because we traded number twenty three on Thursday. Huh. 
That's funny. <laughs> All right. What was, and this is for the Celtics, what was Robert Parrish's career high in points in a single game? Okay, all right. Um, It was 40. Yeah, 40. 40 points in a game. Doesn't really say which game it was. But yeah, it was 40 points in a game. And for Notre Dame, what year did Newt Rockney... uh, Became a head or uh, became a head football coach at Notre Dame. Do do do. We said we weren't going to do it. <laughs> All right, it was nineteen eighteen, so one hundred two years ago, in the fall. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were, he, and it's kind of fitting too because the whole coronavirus. Like he almost didn't have a season in nineteen eighteen. Some of his games actually got postponed because of the Spanish flu. Because some of the places they were playing were really affected by the Spanish flu that year. Which is kind of funny because the the day they found all sports were being canceled and stuff like that, and the first outbreak of the coronavirus showed up was actually the 102nd anniversary of when the first case of the Spanish flu was was uh, discovered. And it was at an army base too, like during World War One. Like one of the patients was a military soldier, and yeah, so yeah. I just saw an Instagram post from the History Channel about that, and it just felt like wow, a hundred and two years later, this is now happening, which is kind of weird because all the major plagues in this year have happened a hundred years apart from each other. So the next plague will happen in. 2120? Yeah, 2120. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, on to, oh, yeah, they are deciding to sign players. All right. We will get into that later on in the next episode. But we're going to end today's episode with something that is really special to me. Speaking as an Irish American, and because our show is. Or called after a group of Red Sox fans who are mostly Irish American working class. Yesterday was the 104th anniversary of the beginning of the Easter Rising, the Easter Rising in Ireland in 1960. So Easter Monday. That's what that's what the Instagram post I posted or the post I posted on Instagram of the proclama- 1916 proclamation, which is basically the Irish Declaration of independence yeah so it's basically their version of the declaration of independence so yeah so i posted a picture of that that's the reason why because today or friday was day one of the easter rising or the beginning of the easter rising in ireland and what it was it was a group of of armed rebels poets actors and teachers who decided to rise up against the british and try to end 700 years of British rule in Ireland and basically win their independence. It was basically their beginning of their revolution or their war for independence. That's what I'm trying to say. And they took over, like, so they marched on Dublin, basically took over the GPO, and they used that as the headquarters for uh, the uprising. The GPO is basically basically the general post office, basically like the post office, like where you go and deliver mail and stuff like that. Yeah. 
General Post Office. Now you know now. Now you know that the GPO is actually, that's what it means. GPO, General Post Office. All right. But they also took over other places too. Let me, they took over the four courts in Dublin. They took over a park, St. Stephen's Green. They took over a biscuit pack factory or a factory called Jacob's Biscuit Fast. Jacob's Biscuit Factory. I can't. What clutter of words. <laughs> clutter of words. Let's see. <laughs> Took over Biscuit's Factory. All right, here we are. All right, so they took over... They took over the South Dublin Union. Took over the South Dublin Union, the Four Courts, City Hall... Jacob's Biscuit Factory, the College of Surgeons, St. Stephen's Green, which is based at the park, uh, Boland's Factory, North Fumber North uh, Fumberland Road, GP, and they use the GPO as their uh, basically uh, headquarters. Um, so the basically the plan was they would get guns from Germany because it was during World War One. And they were uh, going to use those on the British, basically. So uh, stuff went down on Good Friday where um, lack of communication. And one of the rebel leaders, Robert Casement, was uh, caught when he made it on board. And the ship was discovered, the German ship was discovered. And they had to sink it and uh, scuttle the boat, which is scuttling is basically a, uh, um, sinking the boat. And then that kind of lured the British, hey, something's happening. And then, so the leaders, well, one of the leaders, Owen McNeil, said, hey, let's call this off. And he sent out a directive saying, hey, the, it's off. The marshes are off. But the main leaders, the signers of the proclamation, Podrick Piers, I'll get you a list. Podrick Piers, Thomas Clark, Sean McDermott, or Sean McDermott, that's all in Gaelic. James Conley, Thomas Mac, Thomas McDonough, Amon Kent, and Joseph Plunkett decided, hey, let's go through with this. You know what? We might fail, but you know what? Generations from now will remember us if we go through this. And it might be a moral victory because if we lose and stuff like that, yeah, I mean, it will be it will basically be a moral victory. You'll be, we will be remembered basically. So they went ahead with it and then they took over on March or uh, marched on April the 24th, took over the strong points, as I mentioned, and basically held it out for April the 24th to the 29th. And then they finally surrendered after like they found out it was kind of hopeless to hold off. And they surrendered to the British after basically a week of fighting. Which uh, at first it wasn't really popular with the Irish people because they had sons and fathers and family members who were fighting in the British Army in World War One, and this showed to the Irish that these basic guys are basically cowards. They're basically trying to chicken out of a fight, like trying to do an anti-war. It was kind of like an anti-war kind of protest or something like that of what they saw it and like they when they were uh, being taken away to a prison and stuff like that, people jeered at them. People booed and jeered at them. As they were uh, march or uh, being marched down the street by the British army, but then the British made mistakes. They uh, did a pretty crappy job on the whole uh, court martialing. They 
uh, we're not telling people about the old executions and stuff like that, the firing squads. They were they the way they did it and stuff like that, and then made it so the people of Iron Fuck. Maybe these guys did die for something. You know, maybe it was kind of a pretty crappy setup of the plan, but you know what? It was a clean fight, and they really should be uh, honored. And then that kind of led to the revolution and the war for independence three years later in 1919, which lasted until 1921, which the Irish or the British decided, you know, let's call a truce and then call a ceasefire. And then they signed a treaty, which is the Anglo-Irish Treaty and stuff like that, which – it was kind of like what the Red Sox us um, cheese gowns were because uh, it was like saying that uh, they kind of got their own country, but they still had to give up Northern Ireland and uh, the six counties. And that kind of what pissed people off is because and that's what led to the Civil War and stuff like that, which ended with the pro-treaty IRA beating the anti-treaty IRA. And then stuff like that. So basically that's why it doesn't really get talked about at least at least for a while in Ireland because their kind of version of 4th July and or uh, ended in blood or was born in blood and died of somewhat of abortion. So that, well, one historian of a documentary I watched earlier on Friday. So... So basically now today it has been really celebrated. They did do a 50th anniversary in 1966 and now they did a one a centennial anniversary in 2016 which uh I did really uh, I uh, did much about um I uh, had a uh, bought two Irish tricolors and I took one of them with me while I was still with Harlem baseball and after every win I would dedicate um the win to yeah the rebels like after everyone like try to like stretch it out, like me hold one end in the corner of it, pulling the Irish tricolors. Guys would joke with me about that too. Like they're still flying the Mexican flag. It's not the Mexican flag. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even look like it. But they gave me a hard time. But they they met well. But it was just for one year. It was just for uh because of like the spring of nineteen six or the uh spring of twenty sixteen. Well, the fall of twenty fifteen and spring. 2016. So yeah. So I would do it every win. So what I've been doing lately, I've been flying the Irish tricolors every on this particular day on the April the 24th. Um, I have got a uh, copy of the 1916 proclamation, which I'm playing the frame and hang up on my wall in my living room. Which this guy gets some uh, frames and stuff like that. It's kind of a big uh, poster, but it's a really yeah. It's a yeah, which we'll play at the uh, end of this episode. So uh, be ready for that. So yeah, yeah, we'll be ready to play that. Like the actual de- 1916 proclamation, read by Patrick Pierce, drunk Guinness, drunk Guinness. Yeah, watch that uh, 1916. 1960- documentary which is um narrated by liam neeson yeah i don't know who you are or where you come from <laughs> taken <laughs> yeah great well i haven't seen it by for it was pretty good yeah i should watch it yeah so really good he, he is irish one well, northern irish liam neeson yeah 
pretty neat. So this is why I posted the stuff on Instagram and on TikTok too of uh, the 1916 proclamation with like, and then with TikTok, the whole Irish uh, or Irish music, Dublin's burning is because of the 1916 Easter rising. And that's why I kind of want to mention it and why today or the, why we're dedicating tonight's episode to the 1916 Easter rising. 104 years. Ireland was basically born. It's like they're 1776. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share and keep doing what I love. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you can. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Royal. And then follow my personal Twitter page at Dog underscore 92. We'll follow the We'll have those in the details of the episode. Follow the Instagram page at Royal1992 or Royal Rooters1992. We'll have those also in the details of the episode. Then follow the show on TikTok, also at Royal Rooters1992 or not Royal Rooters1992. We'll have that in the details of the episode. And then follow the Pinterest page. And then follow the show on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast from. Doesn't matter to us. And with that being said, I feel like that about do it. See you guys next Saturday. Banyana.
strikes in full confidence of victory. 
We declare the... There. Sorry about that. With the results of the printer's improvised efforts, James Connolly stood by Podrick H. Pierce outside the General Post Office in Sackville Street in Dublin, now called O'Connell Street. It was Easter Monday, the 23rd of April, 1916. Pierce began to speak. Public Naheran. The Provisional Government of the Irish Republic to the People of Ireland. Irish men and Irish women, in the name of God and of the dead generations from which she receives her old tradition of nationhood, Ireland through us summons her children to her flag and strikes for our freedom. Having organised and trained her manhood through her secret revolutionary organisation, the Irish Republican Brotherhood, and through her open military organisations, the Irish Volunteers and the Irish Citizen Army, having patiently perfected her discipline... Yeah, maybe we might uh, read that, sorry. With the results of the printer's improvised efforts, James Connolly stood by Podrick H. Pierce outside the General Post Office in Sackville Street in Dublin, now called O'Connell Street. It was Easter Monday, the 23rd of April, 1916. Pierce began to speak. Public Naheran. The Provisional Government of the Irish Republic to the People of Ireland. Irish men and Irish women, in the name of God and of the dead generations from which she receives her old tradition of nationhood, Ireland through us summons her children to her flag and strikes for her freedom. Having organised and trained her manhood through her secret revolutionary organisation, the Irish Republican Brotherhood, and through her open military organisations, the Irish Volunteers and the Irish Citizen Army, having patiently perfected her discipline, having resolutely waited for the right moment to reveal itself, she now seizes that moment, and, supported by her exiled children in America and by gallant allies in Europe, but relying in the first on her own strength, she strikes in full confidence of victory. We declare the right of the people of Ireland to the ownership of Ireland and to the unfettered control of Irish destinies to be sovereign and indefeasible. The long usurpation of that right by a foreign people and government has not extinguished the right, nor can it ever be extinguished except by the destruction of the Irish people. In every generation, the Irish people have asserted their right to national freedom and sovereignty. Six times during the past 300 years, they have asserted it in arms. Standing on that fundamental right, and again asserting it in arms in the face of the world, we hereby proclaim the Irish Republic as a sovereign independent state. And we pledge our lives and the lives of our comrades in arms to the cause of its freedom, of its welfare, and of its exaltation among the nations. 
the Irish Republic is entitled to and hereby claims the allegiance of every Irish man and Irish woman. The Republic guarantees religious and civil liberty, equal rights and equal opportunities to all its citizens, and declares its resolve to pursue the happiness and prosperity of the whole nation and of all its parts, cherishing all the children of the nation equally and oblivious of the differences carefully fostered by an alien government which have divided a minority from the majority in the past. Until our arms have brought the opportune moment for the establishment of a permanent national government representative of the whole people of Ireland and elected by the suffrages of all her men and women, the provisional government hereby constituted will administer the civil and military affairs of the Republic in trust for the people. We place the cause of the Irish Republic under the protection of the Most High God, whose blessing we invoke upon our arms, and we pray that no one who serves that cause will dishonor it by cowardice, inhumanity, or rapine. In this supreme hour, the Irish nation must, by its valor and discipline, and by the readiness of its children to sacrifice themselves for the common good, prove itself worthy of the august destiny to which it is called. Signed on behalf of the Provisional Government, Thomas J. Clark, Sean McGirmad, Thomas McDonough, P. H. Pierce, Eamon Kant, James Connolly, Joseph Plunkett. These signatories were all executed by the British forces. So, sir, a little bit, apologies to that. Like, we'll try to edit, like, the first part of the last, or the last part of the last segment out if we can, but, yeah. Sorry about that. We should have been a little bit more prepared for that. All right. There's always next year. Now, Q Ferris. Go home. Celebrations are over. See you next Saturday. Go. Let's go.